chapter 1 uh, this morning in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. And when you find your place, uh, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand with us this morning, Matthew chapter 1. I love the Christmas story. I had so much fun in the Sunday school class this morning. And uh, that was just, I love it, man. I tell you what, and I'm excited about, excited about the message. While the ladies were singing, I thought, you know, all this is, you know, I don't know, you pray for me. One of these days, I don't know how to put a sermon outline together. This is really not a sermon outline. This is just a brag session. That's all this is. And I'm just going to brag on him for the next 30 minutes, all right? And, and uh, really, that's, that's, all, that's all this is. And it probably wouldn't register very high on the Richter scale as far as outlines are concerned at Bible college. But, uh, but this, this is, seemed to be the direction that the Lord was leading me. And I hope that it'll be a blessing to you as well. And there's probably a good chance somebody just needs a nudge this morning from heaven. And so look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while I thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and they shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Notice, if you will, verse number 21. The Bible said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And then we notice in verse number 23, the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So I have a question this morning. Which is it? He said they're going to call his name Jesus. And two verses later, he said they're going to call his name Emmanuel. And so, which is it? Well, I want to answer that for you this morning, if I can. And, and uh, so you may be seated this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time and ask the Lord to help us, and we'll get into the, the message. I hope it helps you like it helped me this, uh, this week. Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, what a great day. Love, church. The more I come, the more I love it. And, uh, Lord, it just seems like you're so faithful to meet with us and to, to bless us with your presence. And I pray you'll continue to bless concerning the new building. And I pray that soon and very soon God will have a beautiful, beautiful house of God. Lord, where we'll be able to reach out to more and more people and get more and more people in here where they, where they too can benefit from hearing about the Savior and uh, God, I pray now that you'll, that you'll knit our hearts together 
And I pray that you'll teach us a great truth today and help our minds and our thoughts to be on Jesus. Thank you for the good song that the ladies sang. That helped me. Lord, it really did. It helped me right before I was getting ready to preach. And so I pray that, that you'll give us power and help us to be very clear, help the message to be clear. We thank you for your blessings. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Matthew's gospel here is saying this. His name is Jesus. The angel came to, to Joseph and Mary, but specifically Joseph here in Matthew chapter 1. And he said, Joseph, he said, when Jesus is born, and this is a product of the Holy Ghost, and he said, when Jesus is born, he said, you're going to call his name Jesus. John's a great name, but you're not going to call him John. You're going to call him Jesus. Paul is a powerful name, but you're not going to call him Paul. You're going to call him Jesus. And then we get down just a, a little bit later, and it says that uh, they're going to call him Emmanuel. And that caught my attention this week. And I thought, why is it that the Bible says they're going to call him Jesus? And then just a couple verses later, the Bible says they're going to call him Emmanuel. Let me see if I can explain that for you, if I could. The angel here in Matthew's gospel says this to Joseph. In other words, Joseph, this is what you and Mary will call him. This will be his given name. This is what people will call him as they uh, greet him and refer to him. They'll call him Jesus. But then he says, they shall call his name Emmanuel. You'll notice in verse number 21, he said, and thou shalt bring forth the son and thou, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. But when we get down to verse number 23, he said, they, they shall call his name Emmanuel. In other words, the people or those who get to know him will, will know him as Emmanuel. Uh, and I didn't think about this until just this morning, but, but uh, uh, a lot of people out here today, you know me as Steve or Brother Steve or Stephen. And, but those who get to know me, for just a little while, usually I become preacher. Hey, preacher, pastor. Hello, pastor, how are you? Uh, we were in Walmart last night, and we saw Keely. And I don't know if she's here this morning, but we, my wife and I were walking down the, the uh, aisle there, and I heard somebody say, pastor, pastor, pastor. And uh, Keely made us feel so good last night, and she introduced us to her family. And she said, this is my pastor and my pastor's wife. And I want to say, yeah, that's who I am. Amen. And uh, she did. She was so sweet last night. She made us feel so special last night. And it was a joy to be able to meet her family. Wait a minute now. Why did, why did uh, Keely refer to me like that? Because she's known me for just a little while. And, uh, and so the angel is saying this, that his given name will be Jesus but he will become known as Emmanuel, God with us. You understand this morning that Jesus Christ was and is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, you'll have to turn there and just jot it down, but Isaiah 7, verse 14, listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And so you understand that God allowed the prophet Isaiah to look down the quarters of time 700 years into the future. And Isaiah came out and said, one of these days, God is going to give us his son. He's going to be born of a virgin. And his name is going to be Emmanuel. And when the, when the angel came to Joseph and Mary, this is what he was saying. Hey, Joseph and Mary, remember that one that you heard about from the prophet Isaiah 700 years ago? He said he was coming. This is the one. This is the one. This is not just another man. This is not just another birth. This is not just another baby. This is not just another person. His name is Jesus he said, but when the world begins to experience him, they'll realize he's much more than just a man. In fact, remember what Nicodemus said over in John chapter 3 when he came to the Lord by night? He said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, if you're not following me, I think you'll follow me in just a moment. Did you know there are many people who know him as Jesus? They know him as Jesus. But I'm going to be honest with you, they still fail to have a very close relationship with Christ. They know that he's Jesus. They understand that he's Jesus. But here's what I'm preaching this morning. When you, when you really get to know him and you begin to talk to him and you begin to pray and read his word and he begins to talk to you, it's then that you begin to realize that he's more than just Jesus. You begin to realize he is Emmanuel. At first, he's Jesus, but then you understand he's more than just Jesus. He's more than just a man. You understand what the angel was saying when he said he's going to be God with us. I thought about this. The Christian life is really knowing Christ in different stages. And that's okay. That's all right. We have very young Christians in this room this morning that have just recently been saved. By the way, we love you. Man, we're rooting for you. Then we have others, others that have been saved for 40 and 50 years, if not more than that. And they've been in their Bible for a long, long time. And so the Christian life, uh, is, uh, is knowing Christ in different stages. When you first get saved, you know him as Jesus. When you get, first get saved, you know him as the Jesus who died for you, the Jesus who saved you, the Jesus who redeemed you, the Jesus who's gonna take you to heaven. But the longer you're saved and the more you're in your Bible and the longer you live the Christian life, the more you begin to realize that he is Jesus, but he's also Emmanuel. Amen. He is God with us. I wrote several things down that I thought I'd just preach to you about this morning. How about this? Number one, you begin to realize there's nothing he cannot do. I mean, the longer you know him, the more you know him, the more personal you become with him, you understand that there's nothing he cannot do. You understand, church, that there were other men named Jesus? Amen. There were other men through history that were named Jesus but unable to heal blinded eyes. There were other men through history that were named Jesus but unable to feed the hungry. But what they could not do, Emmanuel could do. You see, it was he who changed the water to wine. 
It was he who fed the hungry. It was he who opened the eyes of the blind and he who healed the sick and the brokenhearted. It was he who raised the dead to life again. In fact, Jesus said of himself in Matthew 28, verse number 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. This is all I'm saying. Do you need healing? Guess what? Emmanuel is able to give you healing this morning. Do you need deliverance this morning? It could be there's someone here this morning and, 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 and you're in bondage to something. You're in bondage or addiction to something and the devil has come to you and the devil has said, you'll never get, get away. You'll never get loose. But I'm telling you, what other men cannot do and what are you cannot do and what Alcoholics Anonymous cannot do and what Narcotics Anonymous cannot do, Emmanuel can do. What do you need this morning? Do you need provision? He can provide. In fact, Ephesians chapter three and verse number 20, now unto him that is able to do, but it doesn't stop there. To do exceeding, but it doesn't stop there. To do exceeding abundantly, but it doesn't stop there. To do exceedingly abundantly above, but it doesn't stop there to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I'm telling you, listen, there is nothing he cannot do. He's able this morning. Now, when you first get saved, you know him as Jesus, and that's fine. But I'm just telling you, brother, the longer you know him and the more that you walk with him and the more that you hear from him, and the more that you talk to him, and the more intimate you become with him, the more you understand he's not a man. Thank God for Brother Brandon, but he's better than Brother Brandon. And thank God for Brother David, but he's better than Brother David. And thank God for Brother Ronnie, but he's better than Brother Ronnie. In fact, Hebrews said he's better than Moses, and he's better than the law, and he's better than anything else you want to trot out. He's better, my dear friend. He's better because he is Emmanuel. He's able. Boy, God's been so good at this church, Calvary, hadn't he? Hadn't God blessed us? But you know what? Here's the thing. Some of you hadn't been coming here long. And so, you know what? You hear about all these great blessings. And I shared a miracle with the church Wednesday night. Man, it was fantastic. And God does that kind of thing. You know, that's just kind of God I serve. He loves me like I was his only child. I mean, you know, sometimes I think, Lord, you need to quit acting like I'm your pet. All right? I mean, you know. And uh, you're thinking the same thing. That's because that's how, that's how he loves you. He loves you like you're his only child. And God's been so good to this church. But I, my mind began to go back this week. And I began to think years and years ago when we first came to Calvary. And man, I remember those days. And Miss Ann Benfield sent them here this morning. And she remembers those days. And uh, when, when we just didn't have a whole lot to function with. I mean, I can remember those days when uh, Ann would call and, and she would say, uh, Preacher, this was the offering Sunday and, and uh, I'm going to set this bill to the side and, and uh, it's not late. We can pay it next week, but we don't have enough to pay it this week and, uh, and, uh, and uh, we're, we're going to set this aside and we'll pay it just as soon as we can. And uh, not late, you know, not late. Try not to be late on our bills. We try to have a, a good name and a good reputation. But I'm just telling you, when we got done with the bills, I mean, there just wasn't much left. I mean, there just wasn't much left to function on. 
And I remember it was a little church and, and just a handful of people here and didn't have a whole lot coming in as tithes and offerings. And, and, but we had a vision and we wanted to see God do something here at Calvary. We didn't have a van, didn't have a bus. Man, we didn't have, you know, we just didn't have much of anything. But God began to bless. I'll never forget that day I got a call. I got a call on the phone and, and, uh, and the uh, voice on the other end of the phone said, uh, is this Brother Pope? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, well, Brother Pope, he said, I've been designated, uh, you know, the caller, the, the person to take care of this. And he said, there is a, a, a gentleman that has passed away. And he said, he has left his estate to several churches in this area. And he said, your church is one of those churches. We didn't even know this gentleman. I, I don't even know him. And, and he said, years and years ago, he came to Calvary for revival. By the way, church, we never know who we're influencing. Years ago, he came to church, came to Calvary during revival, and God spoke to his heart, and he, and he, and he just loves this church, and he has left uh, some money for this church. I said, well, praise the Lord. That's a blessing. I'll never forget, we had the little church parsonage over here at the time, and, and uh, we set up a time, and that fella came over and walked in my front door in the living room over there, and I remember he handed us a check. For $21,000. Now you say, twenty-one. it might, have, it might as well have been $21 million. That's what we felt like it was. You understand, listen, we weren't getting thousands. We were getting hundreds in. I mean, we, just, we didn't have a whole lot. We didn't have hardly two nickels rubbed together. And all of a sudden, God, uh, just God took $21,000 and just put it uh, in our lap for us to take and use for the ministry. What are you saying? I'm saying there is a God and there's nothing that he cannot do. Most of you have heard this little story, and I had several, and I took some of them out because I don't have time to tell them all this morning. But I remember when I, my wife and I were in Bible college, and, and uh, most Bible college students don't have a whole lot to do with. Most Bible college students are poor, brother. I mean, you know, it's rice and beans, beans and rice, pork and beans, and, and we just didn't have a whole lot to do with. And I remember one night I was coming home from overnight transportation, and we, uh, we traveled every day. We, uh, we traveled 294 Expressway there in Chicago, and we were coming home. It was late at night, and uh, Dave Wilkie was my uh, partner that night in the car with the carpool, and he was sitting beside me, and, and uh, we, we always hit two tollways on the way home. And we were coming up to the toll booth there, and, and we were already hitting the rumble strips, and I, it was a 40-cent toll, and so I had reached down in the console. We kept a little change down there, and I had got a nickel, and a, a, a dime, I'm sorry, a quarter and a dime and a nickel. And I got them out, and we were just getting ready to get up to the toll booth, and I fumbled around, and I dropped the nickel. And the nickel fell down in between the console and the seat. We were almost at the toll booth, and I woke Dave up. I said, Dave, Dave. He said, what? I said, man, I dropped the nickel down in between the seat. We're almost at the toll booth. I said, reach down in there and see if you can find that nickel. Oh, okay, all right. I'll never forget, Dave uh, stuck his hand. <laughs> and boy, when you stick your hand down between a seat and a console when you got little kids, you never know what you'll come back with. <laughs> it might, you might not come back with a hand. And, and Dave Wilkie stuck his hand down in there to try to find that nickel. And all of a sudden, he pulls out a $50 crisp bill. I'll never forget. 
I looked at that $50 bill, and I thought, what? That's, that's better than pulling a rabbit out of the hat right there. I mean, can you do that again? $50 bill. Now, I don't know about y'all, but we're not in the habit of dropping $50 bills. $50. I couldn't wait till I got home. Man, had about 30 more minutes to get home. I, I couldn't wait. It was late at night. And, uh, man, I got Miss up. I said, look at this. Look at this. You're not going to believe this. And I told her the story. I dropped that nickel down there. They put out a $50 bill. Oh, we rejoiced. And just, listen, $50 to Bible college is a lot of money. Several days passed. It was Saturday. We went to bus meeting that, that morning and uh, prayer meeting and bus division meeting, and then we were heading, our, heading up to, to the bus route to go visit. And I told Miss Tammy, I said, honey, I'll tell you what let's do. Car's a mess. I said, let's just pull over here to the, to the car wash, and I said, I'll vacuum the car out, wash the car before we go to the bus route. We did that. We pulled in the car wash. I opened the doors. I went over to the big vacuum cleaner. I put several quarters in the big vacuum cleaner. It cut on, and I went around. I'll never forget. I went around to the driver's side door. I got down on my knees, and I was getting ready to vacuum. And as I was going down on my knees, I said, Lord, that sure was nice for Dave to pull that $50 bill out between the seats. And I thought, Lord, it sure would be nice if I looked under this seat and found another $50 bill. I'm not even asking you to believe it. I'm just so glad I didn't stick the hose underneath there first. I looked under the seat, and God is my witness. My hand is on the Bible. There was another $50 bill laying underneath that seat. Now you say, preacher, how does that kind of thing happen? I'll tell you how, because he's Emmanuel. He's not just Jesus. Although Jesus is a powerful name, when you, get to, when you get to know him, when you begin to walk with him, when he becomes your Lord and your Savior and, uh, and you feel his passion and you feel his heart, oh yes, I'm feeling something right now. I'm gonna tell you what, buddy. He becomes more than just a man. He becomes more than just a name. He becomes Emmanuel, God with us. There's nothing he cannot do. I gotta hurry. How about this number two? We notice, you begin to realize there's no one he cannot save. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25, the Bible says, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. That come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And someone rightly said he's even able to save to the guttermost. It's true, isn't it? There's no sinner, no person that he cannot save. I think about Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter, I heard my preacher tell about Mel Trotter many times. Mel Trotter was a hopeless, a hopeless drunk. A hopeless drunk. And alcohol never turns out well. And Mel Trotter would get on a drunk. He'd come home to his wife and they said he was a, he would cry and he, he would sob and he would say, honey, I'm sorry, I, I got drunk. I'll, I'll never drink again. And within 24 hours, he was on another drunk again. Mel Trotter was so steeped in sin, his wife came and she said, now, honey, they had had a little child together and she said, no, honey, she said, the baby's sick and we've got to have some medicine and, and they had just a few little, little bit of money left in the house and she put that money in her husband's hand and she said, now, Mel, you've got to go to the doctor and get the medicine that we need for our little baby. Mel Trotter took that last few cents that they had and walked out and was going to the doctor and on his way to the doctor, that urge hit him. And he 
went out and spent that money on some cheap wine and got on another drunk. That little baby died. The story goes, Mel Trotter came into the funeral home in his filth, his own sin, visible upon him. And they said as he walked by that little baby casket that he leaned over and placed a kiss on the little head of that little baby, his own little baby. And while he did so, he reached indiscreetly into the casket and slipped the little shoes off of his feet and said, it won't need these. He took those shoes off of his own dead baby and put them in his coat pocket and went out and pawned those shoes for a cheap bottle of Muscatel wine so he could get drunk again. But you know what? Sin always takes you further than you want to go. And it always keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it always costs you more than you want to pay. And Mel Trotter got so low in sin that he felt like there was no way out. And he said, I'm going to take my life. He got on a train and went to Chicago, Illinois in the dead of January. He was going to jump into the, into the icy uh, Lake Michigan and drown himself and kill himself. And we've been there. Some of our people have been there. That day as he got off that train, he was making his way down a, 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 a road called State Street. And as he was on his way, by the way, it's just a few blocks from Lake Michigan, just a few blocks. And he was on his way down, to, uh, down State Street. He went by a place called Pacific Garden Mission. And there were people out there handing out gospel tracts and saying, sir, would you like to come in? We'll give you a hot meal and give you some good news. Would you like to come in? And they were passing out gospel tracts to drunks and drug addicts and prostitutes and everybody who came by. And Mel Trotter came by and they said, sir, would you, would you take something? Would you come in? We've got a hot meal for you and we'll give you some good news. And they convinced Mel Trotter to come in. That night, Mel Trotter heard the gospel. That night, Mel Trotter heard that Jesus Christ loved him. That night, Mel Trotter heard that, that God loved him so much that he sent his son to die for him. And Mel Trotter, a helpless, hopeless, drunk, got born again. You say, what happened? God changed his life. And Mel Trotter began to open up uh, rescue missions all over America and a large rescue mission in Grand Rapids, Michigan and begin to reach prostitutes and derelicts and street people and drunks and drug addicts and he begin to turn them to Jesus Christ. What are you saying? I'm saying there is no one that he cannot save. You're getting ready to spend time with family and some of you think, preacher, this family member is hopeless. He'll never get saved. Oh, I'm telling you, there is hope when it comes to Jesus because he's Emmanuel. There's nothing he cannot do. There's no one he cannot save. I thought about this. There's not a sinner he cannot forgive. Did you know it's just what he did? Did you know it was his manner of life? Luke chapter 5, verse 32, the Bible says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus says, why well, came? The, the, the demoniac of Gadara was such a wicked, depraved man, yet Jesus forgave him. Mary Magdalene was filled with seven devils. Someone suggested that word seven is the, uh, that number seven is the number of completion, that she was completely, completely overcome with evil, yet Jesus forgave her. John chapter four, the woman at the well had been married five times and was living with a man. Yet Jesus forgave her. I thought about the backslidden disciples 
who after, after his death went back to their past livelihood. Y'all remember that? Can I just show you that? Because it's such a wonderful story. Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn over to John chapter 21? We're doing good old time, and, and this is such a great story. John chapter 21, and I want you to look at verse number 4. The disciples are discouraged. Christ has died, and they're discouraged. And they went back to fishing. And look what happened. John chapter 21, the Bible tells us they've all forsaken the Lord. John 21, verse 4. The Bible says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Now, wait a minute. They think he's dead. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. I love verse seven. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. I, I know who that is. It can't be but one person. It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fishers coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. Look at verse 9. And as soon then as they were come to land. Wait a minute now. Here are these backslidden, discouraged, fearful disciples. And yet the Bible says in verse 9, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. And fish laid their own and bread. And if you're a little bit further down, you know what the Lord said? Come and die. Come and die. You know what? Jesus didn't rebuke them. He forgave them. He forgave them. I don't know who I'm, I'm preaching to this morning necessarily, but it could be there may be somebody here today and you say, Preacher, Jesus will never forgive me. I want to tell you what, Jesus will forgive you. I don't, I, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what the, the, the devil's making you feel guilty about. But I'm just telling you that in Christ, there is forgiveness. They said that Charlotte Elliott was battling with guilt. She was talking to a preacher one day. And she was battling with past guilt. And she said, preacher, I just don't know. I, I just don't know if Jesus will save me. I, I just don't know if he'll save me. And the preacher said, Charlotte, listen to me. Jesus will take you just as you are. Charlotte Elliott got born again. She went home and she wrote these words, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. Well, I don't know who you are this morning and what's going on in your life, but I'm telling you, there is a Savior that will forgive your sin. And can I just insert this little note here? If Jesus would forgive us, it looks like we would forgive others. Amen. There's not a sinner he cannot forgive. We're done. When you begin to see him as Emmanuel, you begin to realize there's not a prayer he cannot answer. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. The Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. He is Jesus. But when you get to know him, you'll discover he's Emmanuel. He's Emmanuel. 
And there's not a prayer that he cannot answer. I was listening sometime back to a, a broadcast of some kind, and it was a missionary. They were talking about a missionary family, and it's been a number of years, years ago now. This missionary family went to a foreign field, and they tried to start reaching these people. At, uh, uh, maybe not in the jungle, but not native, what you would call natives, but pretty remote. I mean, pretty remote uh, uh, place. And, and anyway, they were trying to bring the gospel to these folks, and they never heard anything like that. And because of their message, this missionary family was, was hated. They said that one night that the, the tribal chief got his warriors together, and they decided they were going to come, and they were going to kill this missionary family. The missionary family that night was awoken by the rustling of the leaves and the trees and the bushes. and They began to look out the windows and sure enough, they saw the tribe as the tribe began to surround the house with their spears and their bows and arrows and, and all these things. And they thought, what are we going to do? How are we, we going to escape? And just as the, just as the tribe was, was closing ground on the house, the family watched in horror as all of a sudden, the tribe began to go back into the woods and they totally disappeared. The family didn't understand. They thought we were sure we were going to die that night. Years passed and they were able to lead that, that chief to the Lord. They were able to lead many of the, of the tribal people to the Lord. And years later, the missionary talking to the, to the chief, he said, Sir, he said, do you remember that night when you surrounded our house and he said you came with swords and you came with bows and arrows, spears, and you were going to kill our family. Do you remember that night? The chief said, oh, yes, I remember that night. He said, we watched out the window and he said, we saw you getting closer and closer. You had the house surrounded. And then he said, we saw as you begin to go back. And he said, finally, you disappeared. He said, we've always wondered. He said, why did you leave? The chief said, oh, he said, that night as we came to your house, he said, we were afraid of all those soldiers around your house. And the missionary said, I'm sorry. What did you say? He said, we came that night, and he said, as we got to your house, he said, it was literally surrounded with mighty soldiers. And he said, we were afraid of those soldiers, and because of that, uh, we, 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 uh, we ran in terror. Now, wait a minute now. What are you saying? I'm just saying this. He's not just Jesus. He is Emmanuel, and he's able to provide, and he's able to protect, and he's able to answer your prayers if you'll trust in him. David Brainerd, David Brainerd was a, a missionary to the American Indians, and and David Brainerd was a hated man because of the gospel message that he brought to the American Indians. And they said that one night a group of the Indians had gotten together and they were going to murder David Brainerd. And so they came to, came to his little dwelling there, a little shanty of a house. They came to his house and they were going uh, to come in his home and they were going to kill him. That night as they snuck up to the house there, they began to look in the window and they said that David Brainerd was on his knees and he was heavy in prayer. I mean, in another world, so to speak. I mean, just really in a, in a time of prayer, speaking of the Lord. They said these Indians watched as a rattlesnake crawled in through a hole in the house. And the Indians, superstitious, the Indians said, well, we're not going to have to kill him. Our gods are going to kill him. They watched as this rattlesnake crawled in the house. It crawled over the legs of David Brainerd and crawled back out. 
And the Indian said, if his God can protect him from the rattlesnake, then we better leave our hands off of him. I'm telling you, if you're here this morning and you know him as Jesus, that's okay. But the longer you know him and the longer you walk with him, the more you begin to understand he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Would you bow your heads this morning, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Oh, listen, can I implore you today to do business with God? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to come. I want you to come. Father, I pray that you would have your way in this invitation. I thank you for speaking to my heart, and I believe you've spoken to some other hearts as well. Thank you for letting me take just a few minutes just to tell people just how wonderful you are. And Lord, this is not a fairy tale. This is absolute truth. Father, I pray now that you'll, you'll work in this invitation. And uh, God, I pray that you'll save and challenge and speak to hearts. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that needs to be born again. I pray today they'd come to Christ. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that desperately needs an answer to prayer. And God, they're so discouraged thinking that that prayer will never be answered. Lord, today may they come and find encouragement on this old-fashioned altar, believing that you're not just Jesus, but you are Emmanuel. You're able to hear and answer their prayers. God, have thy way, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand with us this morning while we uh, the pianist plays? If you need to come, the altar's wide open today. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need Christ as my Savior. I want you to come right now. We'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We'll show you how you can know that heaven's gonna be your home We'll show you how you can totally miss hell. Would you come this morning while we wait? We're going to give you just a moment to come. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, we've got a problem. We've got uh, some issues in our family. I've got a situation with my job or our finances. And I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, I want to tell you what. He's able. He's able. He's able to supply a new job. He, he, he's able to give you provision. He's able. He's able to mend that marriage. He's able to heal that home. I'm telling you, at Calvary, he's able this morning. What about it? Would you come while we wait? We're going to pause just for a moment. Pastor's going to make his way to the main floor. If you need to come, the altar's open. You come today while we wait.